Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Trevor Woods here with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. We're going to be previewing a Big Ten Championship game, the second consecutive Big Ten Championship game the Wolverines have been to after defeating the Ohio State Buckeyes last Saturday by a score of 45-23. to Last year, Michigan rolled in the championship game to a tune of 42-3 to over the Iowa Hawkeyes. This time, they'll be dealing with a much better and potent offense than anything Iowa has had to offer probably this century. The Purdue Bullymakers, they're 8-4. and four. They've been surging, I suppose you could say, of late. And to preview the Purdue team, I'm speaking with our friend Andrew Ledman from the SB Nation site Hammer and Rails. He will be at the game, as will I, at Lucas Oil Stadium, high atop in the press box on Saturday night at 8 p.m. How are we doing today, Andrew? Uh, I'm doing well. You know, Purdue fans are kind of uh, on cloud nine right now, combination of getting to our first Big Ten championship game and some great basketball being played. So, you know, everything is coming up roses here uh, on the Purdue side of the ball. Yeah, it, it sure has seemed that way. And Purdue, a quarterback in his sixth year in Aiden O'Connell, Unfortunately, his brother passed away last week. Condolences yeah, to the O'Connell yeah. family, but he's still going to give it a go admirably on Saturday night. So O'Connell, he has over 3,000 yards passing this season, 22 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. Charlie Jones has an astounding 97 receptions for 1199 and 12 touchdowns. Yeah. There's Payne Durham, who has eight touchdowns on the season. So... What makes this offense tick? Because I've already said the stats from O'Connell, the receiving core, but they run the ball quite a bit too. Over 360 rushing attempts, true rushing attempts on the year for Purdue as well. So their time of possession is in the top 30 as well. So what is good about this offense? What makes it tick? Yeah, so I mean you mentioned kind of the big uh, big guns on the Purdue offense. You know, Aiden O'Connell... Uh, Payne Durham and Charlie Jones. 
Uh, but to your point about the running game, Purdue really uh, started the running started the season with King Doru and Dylan Downing as their one and two at uh, the running back position. Uh, King Doru went down with an injury and has been out for extended periods of time. Uh, Dylan Downing was also uh, injured a bit early. So that allowed uh, this guy who most of us, I don't think, really had ever even heard of, uh, Devin Mockaby, uh, to rise up the depth chart uh, about game three of the season, uh, maybe even game four, game four, um, and start to get some reps. And he has just been a revelation for the running game for Purdue. Um, he has a real opportunity to get to 1,000 yards this season uh, now that he's got two more games, um, you know, this championship game against Michigan and then the bowl game. But, you know, he is a walk-on uh, if you've watched any Purdue game with him in it, I'm sure you've heard the story. You know, he turned down an offer to go play at Navy because he had always wanted to play at Purdue and was given the opportunity to come here as a walk-on. And you know, he's just rocketed up the depth chart, and he really has changed the way Purdue runs their offense um, because Jeff Brom is a pass-first kind of guy. I think if it were up to him, he would throw the ball 40, 45 times a game. Uh, he, he tends to get away from the running game a little bit shines himself in the in the post game or in the halftime talks with the uh, sideline reporters you know we really got away from the running game um but you know he's the guy that calls the play so uh, it's always interesting to me when that happens but to to have a running back like Devin Mockaby to really balance out this offense has really been a a huge benefit for this team because before that people could just key in on Charlie Jones and to a lesser degree Payne Durham and really slow this offense down. But Devin Mockaby doesn't allow them to do that anymore. No, and looking at the running backs who came before him this season, Dylan Downing averaged just 3.9 yards per carry. Kobe Lewis, even worse, at 3.5. Mockaby at 5.1. So he has definitely been a transcendent player for this Purdue offense and kind of shaped the way they operate, eight touchdowns compared to four from the next running back. So very impressive across the board. One statistic, though, on the flip side for the offense I thought was interesting considering that the running game's been churning overall of late. They've allowed Purdue's offense the eighth most tackles for loss. That's that's a lot. And Aiden O'Connell, he's been sacked. 18 times. So the Purdue offensive line, would, would you say it's fair to say they have their fair share of vulnerabilities this season? Yeah, and it's gotten worse as of late. Um, Purdue's had a couple folks throughout the year who, who've uh, had back injuries on the offensive line, had to have like medical retirements. So that hurt them with just depth. Uh, so we have people who are staying out there uh, for a vast, vast majority of the game, not able to rotate new, fresher guys in. And then just recently, uh, Purdue's starting center, Gus Hartwig, uh, went down with an injury, um, and he's out for the rest of the season. So Purdue is now starting a new center, which is always a little bit of a worry because the center position, you know, so important uh, to have a good connection with your quarterback and to know exactly what you're doing. Otherwise, you're going to have some uh, some pretty bad snaps and some bad situations there. So the, the injuries that have piled up on the offensive line have certainly led to some trouble. But also, Purdue runs a lot of, of screen passes. They run a, a lot of uh, short passes that can wind up, you know, really starting behind the line. Um, and so I think Purdue puts themselves in a situation where they just are going to live with a lot of those tackles for loss because they believe they have the talent to break those plays 
uh, enough that it's worth the risk to have a tackle for loss on some of those. Uh, on the flip side, Purdue has the 33rd ranked total defense, rushing defense 37, passing yards allowed 59th. So a lot of the stats, you could say, defensively aren't flashy, but being ranked in the top 40 on defense is still pretty darn good, in my opinion. Um, tell us a little about the defense, the good and the bad of it. Yeah, I mean, honestly, it's pretty surprising uh, to me that they're ranked that high. Um Purdue has played some teams where they've been Purdue's had some luck in that quarterbacks they faced haven't been the most accurate especially on deep balls because the Purdue secondary has some problems uh, with mental lapses and really staying you know focused for an entire game Uh, at the end of the Penn State game I'm sorry during the Penn State game they allowed a touchdown in the final minute of the of the second quarter that kept Penn State in the game. They allowed another touchdown at the end of the game that allowed Penn State to win. Syracuse, the fourth quarter, was just absolute chaos with so many points scored and just long pass after long pass. Um, And they allowed another long pass against Maryland uh, that kept Maryland in that game that Purdue only went to the victory with Maryland failed to get the two-point conversion. So the the Purdue secondary is a wild ride. Um, They've done actually a pretty good job in uh, interceptions. I believe they have... Um, eight between uh, the starters back there. A couple returned for touchdowns, but you know they they again, like I said, they have mental lapses where they just they seem to just take plays off every now and then. They let a receiver get behind them, so uh, it, it can be a real uh, wild ride for Purdue fans watching that secondary. Um, from the rest of the offense, offense or defensive perspective, Purdue has some really good linebackers led by Jalen Graham. Um, he's a guy whose name you'll hear uh, quite a bit. Uh, he, very athletic, gets all over the field. He may be the guy uh, that Brom and, and staff put on uh, to spy the quarterback. I know he's held that role in the past. Um, and he, he does a decent job of it, but Purdue generally has struggled with running quarterbacks, so that may be a problem for them in this game. Uh, the defensive line ha- has done a pretty decent job uh, holding up against the run, as you uh, mentioned the stats there, but you know, Purdue has, again, uh, the injury bug has hit them. Uh, Brinson Dean, currently noted as probable for the championship game. Don't really have much of an update for that, but Purdue would miss him um, quite a bit if he is unable to play. But you've got guys like Jack Sullivan, uh, Nick Carraway, and Lawrence Johnson who should be able to pick up a little bit of the slack there. They've all really come on um, a little bit as the year progressed, but anytime you lose one of your top linemen, you know, it's going to hurt you a little bit. But Purdue has really done, I think, a surprising job on defense um, considering what (laughs) I think if you watch this team every week, you don't think their their defensive ranking is going to be that high. Um, But, you know, the numbers the numbers don't lie. So being in the 40s, I think most Purdue fans are pretty happy with. Yeah. So Purdue, they come into the Big Ten Championship game at eight and four. They easily could have two more wins on the year. They lost to Penn State the last minute. 35-31, 35-31, lost to Syracuse, 32-29. to uh, But I want to get to the part that about common opponents. Michigan, Purdue, they share some common opponents. But specifically, let's talk about Penn State, a game which Michigan creamed Penn State. Purdue lost 35-31. Then there was Iowa for Purdue. That This shocked me that they lost to Iowa 24-3. Michigan, cream, yeah. Michigan creamed Iowa in Iowa City at Kinnick. 
And then Illinois, Purdue won 31-24. Michigan, they did struggle with them a bit. Took a last-second field goal from Jake Moody to win 19-17. So here's my question to you. What can you say was encouraging in the Penn State loss? Close loss, but they they looked pretty good. I remember that game, the beginning of the season. So so what can you say good about that game for Purdue and good about the Illinois game? And then my second part of that question is, what the heck happened against Iowa? Uh, so I'll take the second part of your question first. <laughs> what happened against Iowa? I don't think anyone knows. I mean, you you follow the Big Ten just like everybody else who listens to this podcast, I'm sure. You know Iowa has one of the worst offenses we've ever seen. Uh, you know, you can't really put down their defense. Their defense is solid. Um, but for Purdue to allow that Iowa team to put up 24 points and Purdue could only muster three against them was just shocking. I mean, especially because it came in a point in the season where Purdue had a chance to take control of the Big Ten West. You know, they could, if they would have won that game, they would have been in the driver's seat for the rest of the season to get to, you know, the the Big Ten championship game, which ultimately they did, but it took some doing uh, with Nebraska beating Iowa last week. So I don't think anyone knows what went on in that Iowa game. It was absolutely maddening. Nothing went right. I mean, Purdue just could not stop this Iowa offense that had just been abysmal each and every uh, each and every game. It was it was wild to watch. Now uh, for the Penn State game, we knew going in. You know, it was the first game of the season. Uh, we knew going in that Penn State was probably going to be good, especially on defense, just because that's kind of you know their mo. That's their calling card. So to see Purdue uh, be able to put up a bunch of points on Penn State was encouraging. Because we really thought this Purdue offense could have a special year. They could be very good uh, and be able to put up a lot of points. So putting up 31 against Penn State, we thought that was a good sign. Um, uh, Unfortunately, like you said and like we we discussed earlier, the mental lapses to allow those points at the end of the second quarter and then at the end of the game to put Penn State over the top was, was very frustrating. But I think a lot of Purdue fans did walk away encouraged. Illinois, again, it was a game right after coming off that Iowa loss. Um, I, Illinois was ranked, and Illinois, again, just based on the statistics, I believe at that point, had the top-rated uh, defense in the country. Um, so to, to see Purdue go from only scoring three against Iowa to putting up 31 against Illinois is just kind of a microcosm of this Purdue squad. I mean, I've watched you know every game. I've you know talked about it on our own podcast listen to other teams' podcasts about their games against Purdue, and I still have no idea what I'm going to get with this team week to week. Um, it, it's They're incredibly inconsistent, and they're up and they're down, and as of late, they seem to be playing up to the level or down to the level uh, of their competition. Uh, so we just we have no idea what we're going to get, but we saw in that Illinois game, they can put up points against a very good defense. Um so I don't know why that was so different uh, versus what happened in the Iowa game when they could only muster three. But, again, it's that inconsistent inconsistency that Purdue has had all season. Last one for you. Any predictions, and does Purdue got a shot? I mean, I think Purdue has a shot. Um, but I think it's a long shot. Um, Purdue has shown under Jeff Brown the ability to surprise some teams, to knock off the number two ranked team, especially – 
um, which Michigan now is, uh, you know, Purdue unranked facing the number two ranked team is, is uh, trouble for the number two ranked team as of late. So there's always that chance, uh, but Michigan, I mean, they're an incredibly talented team uh, on both sides of the ball. They've got a quarterback that I think is going to give Purdue fits. And um, if, if um, your running back plays, he'll be trouble as well. I know he's, he's questionable, but um if, if he's out there, I think that'll be a, just an additional headache for this Purdue defense. So I, I'm not really optimistic that Purdue is going to walk away with a victory, but I do think they can make it a game. I, I think if if you force me uh, to to make a guess on the score, I would go Michigan 42, Purdue 21. Um, I just I just think the Michigan offense could really feast on some of the problems that this Purdue defense is having. Um, especially, especially if if Michigan plays um, their running back, because while Purdue has done well against the run, uh, I think having to focus on a running quarterback and a great running back might be a little bit too much for this team. And I think Purdue can put up some points. I just don't think they have enough uh, firepower beyond Charlie Jones and Durham on the receiving core to um, to consistently score against again a Michigan defense that. Uh, doesn't really have a lot of, of stars, but is just really solid at every single position. And that makes them such a good defense and some and a team that is so hard to, to beat. So uh, I'm not optimistic about Purdue's chances, but I would love to be wrong. And even if Blake Corum is not able to go, they have running back in Donovan Edwards, who just ran for 216 yards and two scores against them Buckeyes. Yeah, against Ohio State. So, yeah. Uh, either either way, I think they're going to be fine. But I, I don't think most people would disagree that Corum is probably, you know, who you would prefer um, to be your number one. So, uh, yeah. Purdue's going to have trouble either way, but um, I would much rather face the second string than the first string. <laughs> well, that's going to be an interesting one down the stretch, my friend, because Donovan Edwards may very well end up being a better pro than Blake Corum. And Edwards... He has a cast right now on one hand, um, so that'll kind of neutralize him as a pass catcher. He's arguably Michigan's best pass catching receiver, and he's a running back, so go figure. But uh, yeah, you'll you'll get acclimated to him up in that press box, as will I, on Saturday night. Andrew Ledman, thank you very much. You want to tell the listeners where they can find all your stuff and your colleagues? Yeah, absolutely. So you can find us at hammerandrails.com. Um, that is where we, we put all of our best opinions on the internet. Uh, on Twitter, we are at Hammer and Rails. Um, I do all the, well, like 99% of the tweeting from that account. Uh, if you'd like some sports takes that are a little more uh, thrown in with current events, you can follow my personal account at Jumbo Heroes. And, uh, you know, don't get mad at me if it's not sports related on that one. So no stick to sports on that account. But, uh, you know, I'm really looking forward to it from a Purdue fan perspective. We're really looking forward to the championship game and, and looking forward to see some Michigan. I, I've always I've got a soft spot in my heart for Michigan. Um, my uncle actually played for Michigan back in the seventies, so I've never been, really been able to muster much hate in my heart for Michigan as I as I do for some other teams. And I graduated from Purdue, so uh, oh no, yeah. So, uh, you're, so a, you're a turncoat. No, nah, there's no there's no turncoat. There's just journalism and the love of the game, my man. But uh, anyway, uh, there's love. Love to go around. 
besides the turncoat. But uh, <laughs> I, I guess so. I guess so. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, thanks again, Andrew, to you for coming on, and you can follow me on Twitter at What's Football. Follow us on Twitter as a site at Maze and Brew, and I'll be speaking to all you fine folks after the game for the post game reaction podcast. I'll talk to you then.